no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. All right, what's up? Thank you for listening, subscribing, watching. If you're catching us live on the Scores YouTube page, First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone. Sunday Night Football just about over at this point after a uh, crazy and controversial uh, day in the NFL. Pony, we both got this one wrong. We both thought that the Eagles were going to overcome the Cowboys, who now look like both an offensive and defensive juggernaut. I think we they deserve to, to be the lead of the game, though we'll obviously talk about the impact on both teams. More impressed with Cowboys offense or defense tonight? I would say defense because their offense shows up at home all the time. I think they've scored at least 40 in every home game this year. And really going all the way back to that playoff loss at home to San Francisco two years ago, that's the last time they really laid an egg in Dallas. Their their stats are so good at home. Uh, McCarthy, to his credit, has done uh, a really good job as a play caller this year. Dak's been explosive. C.D. Lamb looks like one of the best receivers in the NFL. They've mixed in the secondary receivers. Their offensive line has rebounded from last year. Uh, So I knew all that. I thought after the Diggs injury, their defense was going to take a step back. And it was not good last week against Seattle. Seattle never punted. Uh, I thought the way Gilmore especially showed up, and shut down A.J. Brown for the most part in this game was, from the Dallas end of things, probably the biggest story. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you said there is correct, but we shouldn't take the offense for granted, even though Philly's defense... I was looking for a little bit more on what has happened to it. I mean, we've been talking about the secondary component of it for basically since the third or fourth game of the season, it feels like. But, dude, that was just easy. I mean, third and fourth down at the time that we're recording this with a minute left in the fourth quarter, 10 of 16 conversions for Dallas. They had the one fumble that Jalen Carter scooped and scored. But other than that, basically a flawless offensive game. They scored on every possession they had in the first half. Like, they – it just – it basically never got to third down. They were getting chunk plays every single time they touched the ball. So I just thought that they were just very impressive, a complete team. I did not think that they were a legit contender in the NFC. I still think San Francisco is a cut above everyone else, and we'll talk about them in a few minutes. But everyone else in the NFC is flawed. So I see no reason why Dallas can't be the second-best team in the NFC. Philly's broken down. Uh, I think Philly is worn out. They look like a fatigued team to me. The going to the Super Bowl last year and really from the beginning of the season, uh, they won games. They had the best record in the NFL, but they didn't pass the eye test every week. In fact, I think now it's six straight games where they've trailed at halftime. Uh, they they turn the ball over too much offensively. Their defense isn't good enough anymore to bail them out. Uh, There seems to be a little bit of a disconnect now between Hertz and Brown that's reared its ugly head here during this rut that they're in. And they just seem like uh, they're close to being on empty. 
Danny, and maybe the schedule softens up a little bit here and they're able to get their groove back and their mojo back a little bit. But it almost feels to me like they need another buy. Like they just need a rest. And they're not going to get it because uh, if they're not careful here, they're going to end up playing a wild card game on the road against somebody because they're not even going to win their own division. Against an NFC South winner. Which yes. might end up being like a buy. They'll be more than a touchdown favorite against whoever wins that division. I was thinking about this. I don't know about that right now, by the way, if they would be more than a touchdown favorite with the way they're playing. It would be close to a touchdown, but I think I, it'd be about seven. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Six, six and a half, seven. Um, do you think Dak or Purdy's the MVP when people are listening to this in the bulk Monday? Uh, I think, I think Dak, you agree? Did it in front of a wider audience. Purdy he got his had, signature win now. He got yep, a big win. Pur- Purdy had the better stats. I'm interested to see how much Lamar jumps up. Yeah. He, we'll talk about that. I mean, he, he was spectacular. Like, I guess my overall point of asking the question is, we thought that there could be a clear front runner after this slate of games. I don't think there will be. I think Hurts is going to drop, obviously. And I think there's a it's a virtually impossible path for Mahomes now. But I think Dak, Purdy, Lamar, and maybe Hurts can all still win the MVP. Which is pretty remarkable with four games left in the season. When all right, let's game? get yeah, let's get to the Chiefs and Bills game. Because the story of the day, man, the story of this game now is the offside penalty. And you said at the start here that there was something controversial. There was a controversial day. I hope you weren't talking about this offside call because there was nothing controversial about it. It was extremely black and white. It was a penalty and it should be called a hundred times out of a hundred, in my opinion. Okay. He was clearly offsides and they should call it. I agree. There's a ton of players in media, not chief sympathizers, who say that you don't make that call in that spot on the offense. Who's the most prominent one? Is there somebody here who's... I saw Robert like Robert Griffin III is the last one that I saw. I saw Dan Orlovsky say it. Like... I, so I've seen I've seen high profile, relatively objective, no ties to the Chiefs, NFL analysts say that that should not happen, and he's clearly offsides. You and I have never played receiver. You and I have never played quarterback. We all knew what was happening though. The like look with me and take it. What struck he me didn't about do that? I I know I know I know that. What struck me about this was the reaction of Mahomes and Reed. I thought I've, embarrassing. I've, to be I've never with you. seen either of them do it. I, I I I thought it was so out of line to me. You've won two Super Bowls. I understand your team has struggled offensively. You've gotten the whistle in so many games over the last year and a half. I thought Mahomes and I and Mahomes is I think as a as far as great players go almost universally beloved. I mean, there are very few people, I think, that have made it either in the media or fans that have made it their business to go after the guy. This was you unlikable. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I mean, the Josh, the Josh Allen exchange after the game, I he he should come out on six ten where he does a weekly show or when he does meets with the media again and apologize for that because that was completely disrespectful. You got the you got a borderline call to win a Super Bowl. You got a you got a play against the Jets to win a game this year. You had a guy take off his helmet in a game, Sneed, and the referee said politely, please put that back on and did not give them a 15-yard penalty. I just, I don't get it. Well, so I I actually, so here's the thing. I think what he said post-game, he's like, listen, I didn't say hardly anything about the call, the pass interference in, in the Green Bay game at the end of the game. He's like, I believe in letting the guys settle it on the field. Like, I, what I tweeted. That was, was way more egregious, by the way. No, I, 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 I know what what I what I tweeted was I felt robbed because that that was a all time play. What Mahomes, and Mahomes said after the game, he's like, you know, we were robbed of a Hall of Fame player making a Hall of Fame play. Like fans had something taken away from them. A Hall of Fame career had something taken away from it. Like they were going to show that highlight when Kelsey goes into Canton, and he's right. But when I tweeted, we were robbed of it. I meant by Kadarius Tony. Of course. That, you know what I mean? Not by the like I do feel cheated. I hate talking about refs after games, and the Chiefs made plenty of mistakes earlier in the game. It should have never come down to it. But dude, let's live in a world and like you can't even say that it had no impact on the play because Tony's the guy that catches the ball from Kelsey. Like it probably didn't matter. We're talking about a matter of inches, but it's not like he was an insignificant piece of the play. He caught the pass. But I do wish we lived in a world where that play happened and we get to see if Josh Allen can drive back down the field at Arrowhead. I do feel cheated as a football fan, but by Kadarius Toney, not by the refs. Yeah, where's the personal accountability? I mean, I did not see every quote that came out of their locker room or from Andy Reid, but did anybody want to put it back on the player? Because I did not get that impression and the stuff that I saw going around social media. No, I, just, like, I saw I saw Jarek McKinnon be like, the refs had it in for us today. Yeah, so. F off. I mean, get get out of here with this. The, the, Tony's a Tony's kind of a clown. And for, for them to not, look, you don't want to air the guy out, but maybe he stands at his locker and says, I should have just lined up properly, which is something that as a professional football player, I should do 100 times out of 100. They seem a little unhinged to me. You know, well... I, they, they, I, I think that it's frustration boiling over, man. Of course, that's what I'm saying. They, but they, I don't know that that's unhinged. I think, I think it's like understandable, palpable frustration. Tony now, you can say, has lost them two games. Lost them the Lions game to open the season. He lost them this one. MVS dropping the ball on the deep ball against. Um, I'm mixing up my games. Not the Packers. Um, where he. The outstretched arms. The Eagles game. Eagles game. Thank you. Yeah. Sky Moore, the one against the Broncos. Pass interference against the Packers. I mean, these they're losing these games by the skin of their teeth. They, they just don't sound like a team to me that's been, that's been there, done that right now. Like if, if I think if, they're if frustrated. You, well, but I but I also think I think it's getting to them. I mean, you saw Chris Jones on the sideline too. I mean, it's he's just, an emotional guy. Okay, I'm just well, saying it's not the first time. It's not the first time I've seen Chris Jones yell on the sideline. I've I, I've never seen Andy Reid or Pat Mahomes do what they did today. Well, that that's yeah. I'm I'm putting it all in the same pot right now. 
Like they're just, they don't, they don't have the look. It's not just their performance that doesn't look championship caliber. It's their reaction to it. It's both that would concern me as a Chiefs fan. They're not just shrugging their shoulders and like, we'll get it. We'll be fine. They're not doing that. They could. Dude, this was a, I mean, this likely cost them the AFC championship game at Arrowhead. So it was a massive game. Well, not the, yeah. I mean, they won't get the one seed, but you know, that we I mean, obviously up. the one seed could lose. Sure. And they could end up being the two, of course. But as of now, they are not hosting the Arrowhead Invitational. I mean, it's a massive, massive loss. And it honestly maybe was more surprising what Andy Reid did after the game. Like Mahomes is a competitor. He's out there. He's, he's the coach. He's got to be like, we we had ample opportunities to win the game and we didn't. That should have been his I'm just not ever sure I've answer. heard him say anything like it. Like, it was just, it was just like the NFL should be embarrassed. I've, I don't think I've ever he heard should be, he, Yeah, he's going to get fined hundreds of thousands, not, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but yeah, I don't know. get fined a lot. Well, he's in bed with Mahomes, and I would be too. I mean, that's the guy's sure. meal ticket. That's the player that's going to get him to Canton. He's in a bunch of commercials with the guy too, so he's making side money. I'm serious. Uh, he's making I don't a think bunch he's of- concerned about it. I, I think that they genuinely feel like – and but I, I thought N- NBC, as always, did an incredible job at half at halftime – they had the ref on uh, for, uh, Terry McCauley or whoever that yep. one is, and he's like, "It has been a point of emphasis off because Mahomes said he's never seen offensive offsides right. called in seven years in the NFL, eleven times this year. Yeah, it's been called, so it it's not as uncommon as they were making it out. And, but the last thing I'm going to say about Andy Reid is if Mahomes had, uh, we'll get him next time. Answer: He would not have said that about the league. My opinion is because Mahomes had such a meltdown, he backed his player. If Mahomes handles it better, I don't think he takes that tact after the game. He wants to come off as supportive towards his star. Probably. I mean, coach normally speaks before quarterback, but I hear you. I mean, he knew he knew how pissed Mahomes was because of the blow up on the sideline. There's no, there's no question. All right. Game of the day. Ravens and Rams. Do we need to buy in on Baltimore? Are you Man, it? I, I, I'm probably the last person who gets on their bandwagon. And I've told you this because of my, just my personal experiences with them. They uh, didn't even cover the spread. Their defense gave up a lot of points in, in weather conditions there that you would have thought brought the score down. The total dropped four or five points because of the mud and the rain there. And yet I came out of this game I liked what I saw from the Ravens more today than when they beat down the Lions and Seahawks earlier this year because of the way that uh, Lamar Jackson spread the ball around to their receivers there today. Uh, they don't have Andrews likely scored a touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. caught a bomb for a score. It's third, and, it's third and 17. The game's on the line. There's Zay Flowers for a touchdown. Uh, and the two-point conversion. And the two-point conversion. Those plays, man, the whole idea of making a coordinator change was that eventually at some point, Lamar Jackson was going to look like this. And I thought it might be a long-term thing where they took a step backwards to take two steps forward this season. They're in the driver's seat, in my opinion, right there with the Dolphins to be the one seed. And even if they don't get it, Jackson's thrown the ball and is better people to throw the ball to right now than he's maybe had in his entire career, even with the Andrews injury. Lamar was spectacular. 
Um, and on any given plus day, yards, and, and and on any given day, he can be the best player on the field that no defense can game plan for. I mean that the the throw to Flowers for the two point uh, conversion, it's pretty special stuff. Like creating angles, running, stepping up in the pocket, and zipping it out to the right like that, like that. I mean, I can't say he's the only guy in the league that can do it. But the running to set up the pass and creating those windows that just like you can't defend that play. Like they much like in the NBA, good offense beats good defense. That's what's become of the NFL when you have truly special offensive talent. And that's what he was today. Uh Odell Beckham, his route running is still superb. so you're in then. Am I sensing you're giving the yeah, same answer? I, 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 I'm in, but I gotta say, man. We thought Ravens coming off a bye, their dominance in the NFC, Rams doing this against the soft schedule, that this was going to be a cover spot for Baltimore. The Rams are on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now, but their offense is humming. That's three straight games of 30-plus points, and Stafford's thrown 10 touchdowns in that stretch. I mean, imagine a world where the Rams, which is very possible, that they get the sixth seed – and go to Detroit. Rams at Lions. Stafford back in his own building in a round one playoff. Oh, game. that would be cool. That would, that be, would be an incredible game. And the, what would the over under need to be? Fifty five. I think the NFL's hoping the six and seven seeds are the Packers and Rams. That that's that's best for business. Not just because of the brand power and market size of LA, and obviously the Packers huge following, but those teams are feisty underdogs because they can score points. Hey man, they can light you up. Watch out for the Bears. Oh god. If the I mean the Bears would have won 6 straight if they get to 9 and 8, buddy. Uh Seahawks and 49ers, San Francisco now the one seed with that Eagles loss. I think I know your answer. But I'm going to ask it anyways. Are injuries all that stands in this team's way? Yes. Dude, I've been saying it all year. I really thought they were a 17 and 0 candidate. And I know that looked ridiculous with the three-game losing streak, but I think that clearly the Eagles have a defensive problem. The Lions have a defensive problem. The NFC has no one close to San Francisco in terms of caliber. I I, I think that they are going to – they could easily win every NFC playoff game by double digits. I think that that is in play, even though Dallas looked very impressive tonight, obviously. And then the AFC, I mean, maybe it's Lamar, maybe it's Mahomes, you know, Super Bowl, two weeks to prepare, Mahomes and Andy Reid, that, that's a tough spot for anybody. But yes, I think that barring, because I, I mean, let's see, Bosa, Williams, McCaffrey, Debo, Purdy, and maybe like one or two more. Like, I think that they would take, I mean, you know, obviously we saw what happened with the Purdy injury last year. That was devastating to them. But, like, multiple of those guys would need to go down for me to think that they're not at least the favorite in the NFC, but they're clearly right now the odds-on favorite when healthy for the Super Bowl. No question. Uh, Purdy on the year now has over 3,500 yards, and he has it on fewer than 360 passes, which my math tells me he's averaging about 10 yards per pass attempt. That's, like, never happened in the history of the NFL. 
and they're not all bombs. I mean, they're just, they're a catch after the run every year. The 49ers he had a great bomb game. today and he did have one today. Yeah, he did. Um, he threw one to Kittle deep too. Uh, I was wrong about Purdy at the beginning of the year. I thought in the middle of the season, he might lose his job to Darnold. And now he's in the MVP stratosphere. Like we've talked about. I thought today they caught a break, obviously, because Geno Smith came down with that injury late in the week. And when we talked on yeah. Thursday, we didn't even anticipate that happening. But remember, when they blew out the Cowboys, they came back the following week and lost to the Browns. They blew out Philly last week, their arch nemesis, and they showed up today and scored a touchdown like eight seconds in. Like that's 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 a championship team right there. That's you, that's them not you know, feeling themselves too much or taking the opponent lightly. I know it's a division rival, but still, they always beat Seattle the last few years. I thought that was a very buttoned-up performance by them this afternoon. And they are going, like, I don't know how much Trent Williams is going to get the national talking head shows going, but add him to the list of guys who just giving three-minute soliloquies after the game on why Brock Purdy is not a system quarterback. Like, they are, they are stomping for their guy. Uh, Jaguars and Browns, Joe, Joe Flacco out of the coach seat to three touchdowns. How is this happening? It's, it's incredible, man. Like I thought he would be their best quarterback that they had this season after Watson and maybe even better than Watson because with the offensive line play there, they'd protect him. But I didn't think he'd throw five touchdown passes in two weeks and Horrible interception of the Rams game. Otherwise played pretty well. And then today was just had, had an interception. He's, he's going to have one kind of mind melting play per game, but he looks like Joe Flacco of seven or eight years ago, Danny. Well, until he gets the bears defense next week, buddy, until he gets the bears defense. Where's That'll the game? Only... Say again. Where's the game? Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland's a three-point favorite, I think, on the early line. Yeah, yeah. Bear, you don't want at- a piece of Joe Flacco right now. You don't want you don't want a piece. Joe of Flacco, Flacco doesn't want a piece of the Bears right now, buddy. <laughs> Joe Flacco doesn't want a piece of the Bears. No, it's it's uh, similar to the topic of uh, Browning v. Minshew last week, inspiring or infuriating. Joe Flacco. Off the couch, doesn't need the money, just playing for the love of the game. Can't win a ring with this team, but they're good enough to play meaningful football, and he's just doing it because he loves – eh, keep it. Infuriating for those of us who have never seen good quarterback play with any degree of consistency. Well, I don't understand how this happens. Like It's crazy. the, The position is in such demand. When he was in New York, even though he didn't play particularly well there, it was widely thought that he – was like a positive influence on uh, other quarterbacks and their offensive team and staff and everything because he's such a professional. Uh, you'd think if he was interested in playing football, somebody would have just brought him in as a cheap backup to mentor a young starting quarterback. If I, I think that I, I don't think he wanted to be a backup. I think he's like, I don't want to deal with training camp. I don't want to deal with competition. I don't even necessarily want to deal with 18 games because I'm a statue, but – Good team, middle of the season. You need me to be your starter. Sure, Is he a top not... twenty quarterback in the NFL? Ugh. No. Baker Mayfield or Joe Flacco for one game right now. Joe Flacco. 
Seriously, I think man. That makes him t- I think that puts him right in the top 20 conversation, Danny. He's in the conversation. He's in the is conversation. He gonna get a, is he going to get a job next year? I mean, does he want one? I don't I know. Mean, you don't think he'd want to catch an extra like 10 or $15 million if somebody gave him an opportunity to start again? All right, continue- so like how many guys could, like, like, could Matt Ryan do this? I'm stunned that he, like, there's no conversation or discourse about that. So should he, we like take RG three seriously when he says he wants to play? No, but he was bad for a long time and hasn't been good since he blew out his knee. No, I, okay. And like, not even to be, you know, inflammatory, but like Kaepernick. It, it any like quarterback who had a brief run of success, Cam Newton, you know, like these guys now, like these types of performances make you wonder. Yes, about uh, potential prosperity with those guys returning to the NFL. Just for short bursts, you know what I mean. I wouldn't want to sign him to a three-year deal. But Flacco's got the arm. A lot of these guys lose that. Roethlisberger lost it. Uh, Eli Manning lost it. Peyton Manning lost it. Drew Brees lost it. Yep. He's got. He's. He's like a Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens. Pitchers in their 40s still throwing close to 100 miles per hour or Nolan Ryan. The guy can still He's got absolutely bring it. Um, Lions and Bears, we'll finally get to your game. How much closer are Fields and Eberflus to staying put? A lot? Is that the short answer? Listen, I think that Eberflus is closer than Fields. Mm, okay. The defense since acquiring Montez Sweat hasn't been good. It's been great. And Alan Williams left in disgrace, so he's become the defensive coordinator who's calling the defensive plays, and it's been spectacular. That was a dominating performance against a top-five offense in the NFL. And they're now, what, 5-4? and four? in their last nine games with historic collapses to the Broncos and the Lions mixed in, and they were objectively tanking last year and not trying to win. So holding Matt Eberflus's 3-14 and 14 start last year against him doesn't feel entirely fair, but it's complicated, man. If the Bears didn't have Carolina's pick, which is at this point 94% to be number one, it would be, of course, you're running it back. They're progressing. They tanked last year. They're in a great cap space. They've got two first-round picks this year. They've got a quarterback who's ascending. They've got a coach who is coaching up a dominant defense. Like Continuity is an asset in the NFL. Add two top 10 picks, and let's go win the North next year, of course. But Fields is still inconsistent. Fields is still better as a runner than a passer, even though he had great moments throwing the ball today. And I, know, I don't mean to be a hater. I'm a Justin Fields fan. He's literally the most exciting bear of my lifetime with the ball in his hands. I, fuck, I love Justin Fields. Pardon me, the near curse there. I guess I can. We're on YouTube and it's a podcast. <laughs> but he easily could have been called for an intentional grounding before he gets the fourth and 13, where everyone in the world knows they're just trying to draw him off and then take the delay a game to punt. Lions jump. He gets the free play, scores a touchdown game completely flips like it's an incredible play it's an incredible play one of the best plays of his entire career but I still believe 
that if you're Ryan Poles, you can't pass on drafting your own quarterback, any quarterback you want in the draft two years in a row. I just So are either of these guys over 50% to return right now? I think Eberflus is. Damn. I, I think, he, listen, I, and again, like, it's complicated, man, because there's four games left, and they play Cleveland and Arizona and Atlanta and Green Bay. They, a lot of opportunities for really good performances and wins, and I don't know. And by the way, it's a high-class problem to have. Like, if Fields is good enough, and you can trade the number one overall pick for a King's ransom like you did last year and draft a stud left tackle and a stud receiver and have more draft capital and sign a center in the offseason, like, you can roll. So it's – both options are good if Fields is good. I just personally don't think Poles is going to be able to ca- uh, pass on Caleb Williams. Personally. One, one more question on this for you. Then. I mean, what do you what think? Are, Am I crazy? I, I'd like your perspective. Okay. Uh, my perspective is I think that it's close to 100% that they're going to draft Caleb Williams because of the polls and, uh, and, and, and Kevin Warren situation. I don't think that they're going to allow for someone else's pick and player to influence their overall long-term thinking for the organization. So I think he's absolutely going to get picked. What I was going to say is I would not rule out this and, and, and this would be unorthodox, but I would not rule out Fields and Eberflus being there next year with Williams because he's still under contract. Yeah, of course he is. But dude, that is to me, that's minimizing your assets. Like you could trade the first pick for a ton and if Fields is a legit starter, which he clearly is, you could trade Justin Fields for the second round pick that you gave up for Montez Sweat. And Fields and Caleb Williams in the same locker, that, that is a distraction. Yes. I would agree. You know, with so you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't yeah. I don't know that like on a human level that that is that is the best thing to do. Um listen, I'm with you. I think they're drafting Caleb Williams number one overall but I also personally think it's insane to give Caleb Williams a defensive head coach I just think it's easier to sleep at night if you're one of those front office executives for the Bears uh I think you can get I think you can get by in life easier knowing that you traded Justin Fields after what is this now three years as a starting quarterback versus we pass on I'm not the biggest Williams guy, you know that. But if you pass on him and he goes on to be great, like uh, if it's a CJ Stroud situation, you're going to get fired at the end of next year, almost regardless. Well, but I mean, like, I don't know, man. We we said that San Francisco, like in any normal situation, what they gave up for Trey Lance for it to bust, they all get fired. This roster is good. Like if you trade Caleb Williams, you got DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, your starting right tackle, the number one overall pick this year, the rights to Tyreek Stevenson, who's a corner for you, and a future second. You have but then all assets. your eggs are in Fields' basket, and you're probably going to have to give him an extension. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. all in on him. Hey, dude, my point is, is that it is, it's confusing. 
It's, oh, not, it's great it, for you, though, man. Oh, I'm so it's, jealous. It's an it's an amazing talk show topic. But would you draft Caleb Williams and let Matt Eberflus be his head coach? Probably not, unless I was convinced. Well, you 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 watch that team more closely than I do. But do you think Getzey's good at his job? No. No, then you, then I would say no. Then you got to. That's what that's that's what I'm saying. To me, it's like there's continuity. And there's change. I don't think you can try to split the baby and be like, well, we like the head coach, but we don't like the offensive coordinator, but we're going to trade fields and then we're going to draft Caleb. You know, the way that you make it sound, the Bears are going to screw it up. There's just too much on the line. I know. We're going way late. We're going way, 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 way late. Texans and Jets. What happens now? Zach Wilson had a career game. He played great today. (laughs) Let me just give you quickly here. A couple of stats from from Zach Wilson against a team that was in dire need of a win, Houston. On third downs, he was eight of twelve. On play action, he was ten of fourteen. When pressured, he was eight of twelve. And he had some highlight reel plays. He looked like the guy that was the number two pick. He looked like he wanted to play football. Unlike that uh, athletic report that came out, he looked like he was dying to go back in. And it was bad weather too, and he was throwing seeds out there. Um, I think someone's going to come trade for him. Not as a starting quarterback, but I think someone's going to offer the Jets a pick that they think they can get a useful player with, maybe like a middle-round pick. And I think a smart organization is going to have him sit on the bench for a couple of years and see where it goes. That's my take. He's the the same class as Fields. so. So it's it's fifth year option or not this this offseason. And don't pick up the fifth year option. You bring well, so it in. My, my point is, if you're trading for him, you're trading for him for one year. For one year, you see how it goes, and you can. But I mean, listen, you could you could do a Jordan Love and sign him to a cheap contract extension. Right, right. You get right him in now. your building if he if he's open to it. You know, yeah. I listen. I'm I'm with you. The kid's clearly very 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 talented, and maybe New York was just the worst possible spot for him. It's possible. So, I mean, Trey Lance is backing up Dak. So go somewhere where there's not going to be a ton of spotlight on you and you're clearly not the starter. Go back up Brock Purdy. (laughs) Just saying. Not a bad idea. Well, everybody brings the Mahomes thing up, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Although the only thing with that is there's no upward mobility because Mahomes is there, you know, in perpetuity pretty much until he's in his early 40s, you'd think. So maybe that way it's got to be a veteran quarterback. Like Denver, for example, I think would be great. Get him behind Russ Wilson with Sean Payton and have him learn for a year. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, Hope C.J. Stroud, obviously. Is okay with the concussion. Yeah, concussion there. Yep. Um, next. Broncos. Broncos and Chargers. Yeah. Herbert fractures finger, possibly out for the year. Are you convinced that just changing the coach is going to change that team's fortunes? No. Of course not. But they have no choice. Like, they – they have some extremely talented football players who are in the prime of their career and are under contract. So what what are you going to do? They they don't have a ton of flexibility, man. 
Okay, so you're saying something here that I think is relevant to the conversation about like all of the hypotheticals that mostly revolve around Bill Belichick. You just said that you think they've done a good job of building a team. They've just underachieved and they've been poorly coached, right? I mean, yeah, like I, they haven't hit with 100%, but you know, like they, they could have had Zay Flowers. They took Quentin Johnson. That's looking But overall, 53 man roster, you think that they've done yes, a really good job? Of course. Yeah. And, yes. and, okay. I, and I think some of it is like coaching and some of it is straight up injury luck. So then, how do you bring, bring Bill Belichick in, fire your general manager? And allow for Bill Belichick, who is bad. What's that? I wouldn't. So you would not hire Bill Belichick then if you're the Chargers? No. Oh, okay. Dude, offensive coach. Offensive coach. Well, then, so there's not really a landing spot for Belichick in Danny Parkins' world. Dude, he lost to the Giants (laughs) coming off a bye. He's done. Go yeah, to TV, up. Bill. Did you see games. him on game day before Army-Navy? He was great. Well, Go that's because his old man was at Navy, Steve Belichick and everything. He, he, he eats that up. He was great on the NFL Network for the Top 100 show. Yeah, he loves talking about football players from 90 years ago. I mean, that that's not going to be relevant to... Put him on television. He can't coach anymore. Not in my NFL. Cost me circus survivor. Are you kidding me? You would have effed that up in the in the in the subsequent weeks, anyways. I've been picking it. We've had. And? I've been picking it since. I'm still alive, buddy. <laughs> I'm alive in my own mind. <laughs> All, All right. right. Um, Vikings Raiders. No, no, no. You have to go first. Okay. <laughs> Vikings Raiders. Low scoring game in NFL history. You got any hot takes? So, did you know this stat that it was the lowest scoring indoor game ever? Oh, lower scoring indoor game ever. Yes. Okay, I missed that. Because I, I saw a first 3-0 game since a, a game the Steelers were involved in. in like well, I was thinking like I was thinking like it has to be the lowest scoring game ever. Was there a two to nothing game that happened? Oh, <laughs> right. I guess there were well, ties. Like, there were yeah. zero zero ties. Zero zero ties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um so did you did you see any of this game by chance? I watched more of it than I care to admit because I Steelers had a bye week. So I, no, did I did not watch much of this game, buddy. No. Today was a red zone day for me. Um Jefferson's gonna be out for a while. And Dobbs got benched. Mullins came in and finished up the game for them. So they're on their fourth quarterback there in Minnesota. Um that whole situation with them is wild because of what we said about Green Bay and, and L.A. Who wants, like, this is when your Bears were like an 8-9 and nine team that made the playoffs as a seventh seed. Nobody wants to see Minnesota now make the playoffs. They're going to screw the whole thing up if they get in. And they're 7-6. and six. So right. they control their own destiny. And it's a great coaching job by O'Connell. And Flores has done a really good job of turning around that defense, which was the worst in the NFL last year. He's just an awesome coach. He's probably one of the best Belichick disciples that have ever come out of New England. But like when I kept flicking, flipping over to that game today, I was just thinking like if they make it, that's just that's just one of the six games wildcard weekend that is just going to be unbelievably unwatchable. Could you imagine if it's Cowboys, Vikings, and Dallas? Sunday afternoon, 
What's the yeah. line going to be in that game right now? Ten and a half? Maybe more? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the Vikings defense gives everybody problems. But Dallas would torch them. Yeah, I, I have no... I had no interest watching them last year in the playoffs. So at least then they could score points, though. You get a shootout game that could happen with them. Yeah, yeah, cousins, right. Cousins, 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 and Jefferson, of course, of course. No, listen. I'm glad that you took care of that. I have nothing. I have nothing bad. I got. I got a lot of stuff for the NFC South at the end of the pod. Colts, Bengals. Yeah, thirty-four points with Browning at the helm. Is that more about the system or the player in your in your opinion? So, I think we have to give the players some credit because, like, it's a good job by Taylor, and obviously the the Bengals, you know, for the last few years have been a very good offense, but they have been an inconsistent offense this year. So, a backup quarterback who comes in and puts up numbers a couple of weeks in a row and doesn't just check the ball down, like... He has some like real YOLO to his game, like where he is like, I will throw the ball down the field. I am not afraid. I believe I belong here and I'm going to go out there and sling it. It's kind of fun. He's kind of a fun guy to watch play and it feels reckless and it feels like eventually the clock's going to strike midnight on him. But I do think that like he's earning himself five plus years of NFL game checks, game checks in these eight quarters of football that he's played. Um, I'm surprised that you think that he's this ultra or hyper-aggressive backup quarterback, like cut from the Ryan Fitzpatrick cloth, because the thing that stood out to me the most from watching that game today was I just am stunned by how well their short passing game plays work. But he given how defenses must be preparing for a backup quarterback who obviously has physical uh, limits because he was an undrafted player. Chase Brown took a screen for a touchdown. Yeah, I saw Uh, it. Joe Mixon caught a short little pass and set them up for another touchdown drive. Like those plays, he, he didn't throw an incompletion in the first quarter of the game. He ended up, his completion percentage in the two games he started is 78%, Danny. That's never happened before. To have a completion percentage that high and a passer rating over 95. Nobody's ever done that. I mean, <laughs> like they've just done it. Zach Taylor, I think, he's not Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan. But I think he's proving during this stint with Browning that like, he deserves to be mentioned among the great offensive minds in the NFL. Like, if Jake Browning is the Steelers quarterback right now or the Bears quarterback, he sucks. I'm convinced of that. If he's playing for either one of our teams, he absolutely I don't know, man. Nine knows. different guys with targets, nine different guys with catches. Yeah, That's they've got really good we- they've got really good players there, too. You know, I mean, he's got all those receivers, but I'm just saying the way that things are set up, I think. Uh, have allowed for him to perform the way he has. All right, last one. I put the NFC South games together. Uh, Panthers and Saints, Falcons and Bucks. Your biggest takeaway from the NFL's worst division, what is it? Okay. 
I know this is probably an oversimplification, but do you have the final score in front of you of Bucks Falcons? 29-25, was it? Or 24? 29-25. Okay. So the Falcons lost by how many points? Four. Four. Early in the game. It's third and goal from the one. Ritter passes to a wide open Bijan Robinson and misses him. And then on fourth and goal from the one, Arthur Smith kicks a 19-yard field goal. (laughs) What is the difference between a field goal and a touchdown and a successfully converted extra point? I believe it's four points. What are you doing? What are these coaches doing? It is insane to me. And I know you get that touchdown and the game script is different and maybe plays are different and you call different defenses and clock management. I understand that. But you actively cost your team four points in just how you you have Bijan Robinson, who you gave the ball to later in the game. Breaking news, he's a weapon down near the goal line. Like it just and Ritter had a nice game and he bounced back from a terrible interception and that terrible miss. And he he made enough plays and Pitts was good and London was good and they still lost or whatever. But just like I, I hate these coaches kicking 19 yard field goals when you've got you got a top 10 pick at running that, back and you don't hand it to him once. What are you doing? Yeah, that that part about how they had they got big games, Atlanta. From all of their weapons, Robinson scored a touchdown. Pitt scored a touchdown. London had 172 receiving yards. Ritter went over 300 passing yards, and they still lost a home game to a five and seven team in a winner is in first place game. Like that's the that's the soul sucking, gut wrenching part of it. You got you you drafted all these these guys for a reason. They all played pretty well and you lost um and i think that their i think that their division hopes went up in flames with that loss it's going to come down to the two teams who won today the saints schedule should allow for them to get to eight wins but that's the other thing i don't think this division i said this on thursday it's not going to produce a team with a winning record it's going to be a team with a losing record two years in a row i like i know we got to wrap up Shout out to the Panthers for continuing to lose and hand the Bears the number one pick in the draft. I don't think I've ever seen a game like that. The Saints blew out Carolina and had 207 yards of offense. (laughs) Have you ever seen a game like that, dude? They are not a good team. Dude, they had 28 points and 207 yards and won by 22 points. I don't have the stats, but they're one of the worst red zone offenses in NFL history. And in this game, they didn't even move the ball well today. They just capitalized on Carolina's mistakes. It was – I at one point, Derek Carr was averaging like two yards per attempt on 18 passes. Well, it Young was, finished 13 of 36, I think. So he was a 40% passer today. Yeah. It was just disgusting. D- disgusting. Anyway, uh, subscribe, rate, review – Tell a friend. We appreciate you. Thanks to Spencer Ray, our producer. First and pod. Peace.